1: folks welcome back to another episode of the pull hitter podcast my name is Rob di Pietro the Deadpool Hitter you can find me on Twitter at Deadpool Hitter and the Pull Hitter Podcast at Hitter Pod. Welcome back to another show draft season is in full bloom TGFBI is running tons of stuff going on. A lot of draft prep um excited that I'm gonna be involved in first pitch baseball HQ's first pitch con, um, I got asked to participate in being in a panel, and I'm sh- truly honored and extremely excited. So um, check you can check that out. It's running from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. BaseballHQ.com. You could find out all the details there. They're going to be bunch of industry analysts on panels going through a whole wide range of topics to help you prepare for the season so um, it, you know obviously they ran this event live for a long time now so this opportunity to do it virtually is something they're taking advantage of and giving um, everyone an opportunity to get some good, Content to prepare you for the season So I will be on a panel on Saturday night Truly excited, again truly honored And blessed Really appreciate uh, The invite there to Talk some fantasy baseball With a bunch of other fantastic Analysts Um, On this show tonight I brought on Mark Zwebro and Matt Modica Two extremely successful NFBC players Mark is one of the small handful of Hall of Famers in the NFBC site. Um, he's demonstrated a pretty impressive career of earnings and league wins, especially in the main event. And, yeah, and Matt Modica, as well, is extremely successful in NFBC format. And, yeah, they sat down with me to talk about why they true to the what and what they like about not only the formats they provide but the people behind the scenes who are involved with running it and um, why they feel like it develop a great camaraderie within a community of drafters on the site and talk a little bit about the league they're signed up for this year um, what it takes to remain competitive and successful in the NFC arena When you're facing other extremely Extremely talented owners And um, you know just things to identify how to stay atop Your game and um, how to improve your game If you have any weaknesses And identifying those weaknesses Which is important to grow in your game We also looked at um, some auction tips Went through a little bit of the auction. We talked a little bit about how to set up your KDS, about how to use player projections and player evaluations. We talked about how to use ADP as well to your advantage, or at least in your prep work, to before your drafts. And we talked talked a little bit about some player evaluation and metrics, whether or not you know we whether or not to believe in. Something that's new and how to apply it into a player, player skill set, and then we went some player, player analysis for anyone who is um, appears to be a little undervalued and overvalued compared to the ADP market, and yeah, we hit on some players that maybe eight months from now you might regret not drafting. The whole landscape of starting pitching. It's just a bunch of stuff in there. It's just really fantastic. Great show. Truly happy they took the time out to come chat with me. And we'll be seeing each other soon in the live events in New York. As Mark and Matt are participating in both of those. So with that being said, I'm going to stop talking. We're going to get right to this action. Make sure you take some notes for the show, folks. All right. Another quick note before we get into the episode is... Uh, i just want to remind everyone if you are further along in your draft prep or just starting it there's definitely some wonderful draft guides and tools out there available to help you get an edge on your competitors first you can go to over to spstreamer.com get the draft guide it's the biggest bargain right now in the industry ton of information out there michael Cimione, SP Streamer, put together a wonderful cast um, getting out some some great stuff in there. So check that out. And also too, if you want to become a part of the of of the VIP membership there at the SP Streamer, we have a wonderful Discord going, um, pretty interactive chat. So check that out if you feel so inclined. That would be great. Um, Baseball HQ Forecaster, the process, uh, Justin Mason's draft guide, Roto i draft guide. There's so much stuff. Whatever. You can support uh, there's just ton of ton of people putting in the work to provide you the best that they can in getting an edge on your on your league mate and putting some cash in your pocket so um show the support, try to absorb as much as you can as much as you can handle at once um it's obviously too much is uh might be detrimental to some but um you don't know until you try them out too. you know get your hands on them see what you like see what you could benefit from so don't forget to support everyone out there putting in the work to get you fantasy content for this crazy obsessive sport that we're into so okay i'm done now let's get into the episode Alrighty, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. Tonight, we have a special episode um, involved with two fantastic fantasy baseball players um, Mr. Matt Modica, We're, welcome back to the second um, appearance on the podcast, and Mr. Mark Rebro, um, Hall of Fame NFC. Uh, this is great. I'm, I'm super excited to have you guys on. Um, I'm probably uh, more amped up for this podcast than most of my podcasts. So it's extremely cool to have you guys. Mark, um, how are you doing today?
2: Good, Rob. Thanks for the invite. And uh, if you're so pumped up about this one, that's saying something because you've had some great guests on your show. Uh, Really, really uh, happy to be here. And I only do one podcast a year and this is the one, baby. I got about about five hours of content here that I'm going to try and squeeze in the 30 minutes of airtime. (laughs) <laughs> I remember your um, appearance last
1: year on Vlad Sedler's um, podcast um, on his website. And I remember it being like one of my first ventures into really um, watching anything live with, um, I guess, guests who have uh, podcast experience with guests who, you know, had involved heavily in the NFBC. And it was just something I remember just sitting there on my computer taking notes as I was going, you know, because there was so much good stuff involved with that. It was so I'm very grateful and happy you you decided to do my podcast this year. I think a uh, pretty cool, my first, you know, main event memory last year, you know, you were like, hey, if anyone's involved in the main event and wants to have a little conversation on the phone, you know, hit me up. And uh, we talked, we had a good conversation, and for someone like, myself walking into their first meet. Well, not walking in because we weren't there physically, but online. And you know, it was cool. We had a great conversation. Um, you told me about the history of the event and some of the guys that were playing. And I appreciated that because I felt comfortable like that night, like I'm like, yeah, he's, he's killing me with kindness. Then he's going to crush me in this league. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I remember that. I, th- I believe I was in ocean city with my family uh, yes. during that phone call, but yeah. And it, this is a great community, the fantasy baseball community and anything I can do to uh enhance that uh that's that's what i'll do fantastic i appreciate that matt how you doing today buddy uh i'm doing great i'm happy to be on this uh i
0: think this is uh very happy to have mark on this i think you've had some great guests as he said especially following up uh john and doug well that was a phenomenal episode
1: so yeah the midwest mafia huh that's their uh That's their name? <laughs> that is their name. <laughs> That's fantastic. So before we get into some questions, why don't you let the um, listeners know where they could find you guys on Twitter? Mark?
2: Uh,
1: I'm at Gecko uh, Gecko Industries. And and Matt? CTM Baseball, baby. There we go. Are we going to ever get the Chris Paddock hat back? Uh, that might be coming. Oh, baby. Coming.
2: We'll see. <laughs> we'll see fantastic. how good the curve is this spring, right? <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> He's got to earn his way back. He's got to earn his way back, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's funny. Have you um, dove into him this year? A little bit? I've been
0: looking. Uh, He seems to, I'll say this, he seems to be uh, climbing
1: up the boards as I've been uh, doing these drafts. Right. Right. So, um... Um, maybe we could tell the guests a little bit behind the scenes of you know how long you guys been playing in the NFBC you know so they could really understand the true impact of why I'm having these two wonderful men on the show because they're going to give the listeners their best advice this year to win their NFBC league so again, Mark why don't you lead us off
2: yeah so I've been playing NFBC since uh, 2004 so it's uh, going on 16-17 years now and uh I don't like wasting time, especially your listeners time. So I'll just be direct and come out firing. Uh, (laughs) I specialize in destroying NFBC competition. I've won more main events than anyone named Steve Japinka. I've also won countless other leagues across the whole suite of product lines in the NFBC. And I was fortunate enough in 2019, I was honored by the NFBC to be inducted into their hall of fame, as you mentioned before. So basically, in summary, Rob, I believe I've got the cred, and I'm here to help your listeners and the fantasy baseball community. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for helping us out. (laughs) Uh,
0: I started in 2012. Uh, I mean, I'm not a Hall of Famer like Mark. I think Mark is one of the premier players. I think there's like a select group that are really on that upper echelon. And obviously, as a Hall of famer, he's one of them. Uh, like you said, he's proven it in that. I just try and get better every year. Uh, I had a couple of really nice seasons going in a row. COVID came. And uh, hopefully we'll conquer it in uh, 2021.
1: That's what you got to do, right? Just knock off the dirt and get right back into it, right? Mm-hmm. Can't look back. I almost like liking it to um, a quarterback throwing an interception. Right. You just got to you got to you gotta pay attention to what you did wrong. You know, you have to see if you could break down how you can get better. And then that's it. Next play. Next season. So. Um, so, wow. So you guys had some pretty 14 years, Mark, you said, right? Since
2: 2007, uh, 2004. So I guess wow. oh, since uh, 17 years,
1: 17 years. And so why? So why? Why the NFBC? Why? Why do you guys prefer the NFBC
2: um, site? And it's funny because uh, the first two years, I'm, I'm probably like everybody else. I migrated over from CBS Sportsline, ESPN, those types of leagues. And uh, I got crushed my first two years. I almost walked away from the NFBC. I, it, it wasn't pretty. And then I figured out what I needed to do to uh, increase my chances of success. And I put in the time to make that happen. And I'm glad I did. Uh, why do I play in the NFBC? It's it's pretty simple for me. I'm here to make money and lots right. of money that's my goal with it. Uh, but, you know, it's playing great contests like the NFBC offers. They offer so many different formats and I like, you know, most of them uh, as well as they have great individuals running the contest. Right. Uh, so that gets overlooked sometimes, but for me, customer service goes a long ways. Absolutely. Yeah. If
0: I can just piggyback off like what Mark said, like, why do we play NFBC and all that to me, it's the three C's camaraderie, the competition, and cash. Uh, I think if you do anything well in life, anything that you feel like you excel in, wouldn't you want to make a financial profit off of that somehow, some way? So, I mean, if you can, like they say, if, if you do something you truly enjoy, is it work? No. So... Right. Yeah,
2: exactly what Matt said. Uh, if, you're put, if there's folks out there listening putting in 500 hours over the course of this season in fantasy baseball, doing the ESPN or, or Yahoo like I used to do, you might want to sit down and consider, I'm putting in this time already. What's my R- ROI on this? Maybe I need to look for something that could win me some more money. You know, just my perspective.
1: No, absolutely. I always um, I remember when I first found out about it and really looked at, you know, the opportunity that were available and the money that you could win. And, you know, I made it a point to if I won my home leagues, I would just, you know, use that and as kind of that bankroll to, you know, get into the NFBC. And I'm glad I made that decision because not only with that, you know. Um, chance of winning but like you said Matt the camaraderie is it's really cool like I, I've, I've been enjoying you know getting getting to know everybody getting to know their history in the game and um, I feel like it's important to know and and learn about that you know because uh, it has such a deep history and so I'm pretty excited I'm I'm glad I got involved so to, why don't you tell me guys um, what you signed up for this year Matt you want to um, go first on this one sure uh,
0: I will be doing my first platinum ever Ooh. That I will be partnering with Bla- uh, Vlad Sedler, and uh, really excited for that. I'll be doing a couple of mains, a couple of supers, and I got some partners as well: Andy Saxton, Chris Vicaro, Uh, and I'll be doing at least one, most likely two auction championships. They're just so much fun. I, I think that's one of my you know, favorite Uh, NFBC events, I think, you know, you're spending five hours or so, four hours uh, at least, and you really get to know people and you can just build the team you really want. So to me, that's one of the uh, more funner things. And anyone out there, if you, you know, I understand right now, not everybody's traveling, but next year, if you have the ability to do it, I can't recommend Vegas enough.
1: And Matt, one quick thing before we move on to Mark. Um, I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, doing a team with another person, another owner. Um, mm-hmm. How 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 do you, find, like, do, do you have history with them prior? So, like, this is kind of where you're kind of knowing each other and you know each other's mm-hmm. tendencies. And so walk me through a little of that because I just did my first, you know, shared team with Jenny Butler in the tag team league that mm-hmm. you were involved with. And, you know, it was, I'm glad that we had we saw eye to eye because I could see in the moment where it might get, Oh, if you really want to pick this guy, you know, Yeah. but I'm no, getting and, the next one.
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, obviously there's like three main factors. You, you got to like, like the person, right. You know, you got to trust the person and you got to be successful with that person. Otherwise you really are not going to continue to partner with them. If you haven't been and with Vlad, uh, Chris and Andy in baseball and in football, We've been profitable, you know, uh, in both. I mean, me and Andy have come close the last two years in football where we finished second in the Classic overall, third in the Primetime this year overall. And, you know, we've we've won a main event together. We've won all championships together. So we've, we've had that. And I've won many leagues with Vlad as well as with Chris. So, like, if, if you're not turning a profit, you can still be friends with the person. But I don't think that person's going to want to partner with you neither. But having a plan prior, you know, the NFBC affords you the KDS, and you get it like five days before. So in most cases, uh, the platinum, you only get it like a day or two before. But in most cases, you can, you know, map out a foundation, talk about guys you like, you don't like. I mean, sometimes you got to give in a little. Uh, with fab, I mean, with, I'd say Vlad. Vlad, the, he's the fab whisperer. <laughs> so I'll let him lead on the Fab. And if there's a player I really want, I'll say, Vlad, let's go higher on this guy. Or we don't have this guy in there. Let's put him. You know, you, you, can't, you can't have two alphas just dictating every time. Right. You got to know when to step up, when to step back. And that's just part of a partnership.
2: Awesome. That was well well described. That was perfect. Awesome. Thank
0: you.
1: It-
2: yeah. So uh, as far as uh, what leagues I'm signed up for, yeah. I'm doing uh, four live leagues, uh, two in New York City and two in Las Vegas. I'm doing two main events and then two super auctions. Uh, the main events, of course, have the 150 k grand prize and uh, the super auctions have the 30 k grand prize. Uh, and they both have uh, league prizes as well. And that's really my limit when you're talking fab leagues. I Four is four is the most I can really effectively handle, so I got those locked up. Uh, to quickly pivot to uh, the teamwork as- aspect or partner partnering, I'm a little different than than Matt's take, and I, I certainly understand his take. Uh, I need to be in control of basically everything. I want to I want to make all the calls. Uh, if I I want to I want to make all the calls. It, it, it's my money and and. You know, It's my baby. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to put it in the hands of anybody else. Even if they're of Matt's caliber or Hall of Fame caliber, I want to call the shots when it comes to baseball. Uh, When it comes to football, that's a different perspective because I don't take that as seriously because it's just more luck driven in in my uh, perspective. So that's that's kind of my take with partnering. I do have a partner for baseball, but uh, he's much more of a... uh, you know a silent partner is and he's a, a longtime friend that enjoys baseball in general right. bouncing bouncencing my dad's
1: offer and but ultimately making the call, but just like seeing if you're not you know being a little too crazy about a player or price on a player on um, he's like my
2: he's like my shrink. Rob that, you know, yeah. <laughs> when I'm ready to go off the deep end, uh, you know, the, the guy picked up for 300 fabs, uh flaming out, you know, I I talked to him, I'm like, can you believe this shit?
1: You know. <laughs> and he oh, also I, likes beer.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And he likes beer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's fantastic. So you're you're in the room, you know, in these drafts and you're going up against these, you know, extreme NFBC owners. Um, so it's pretty challenging. So I wonder, you know, how how do you guys remain so successful um you know and and how how have you you know driven that all the um all the profit that you've made like how did you get there how did you get to that point
2: so i guess i'll I'll yeah mark yeah sorry yeah
1: Yeah. Mark go for it
2: so uh it starts with knowing the player pool inside and out you got to know where you can get your speed late uh batting average things like that uh so you got to know the player pool i uh try and stay as current as i can on news, lineups, playing time battles, injuries, things like that. Uh, you got to invest some time yourself into keeping, uh, keeping up with that. So I like to, I, I'm a, a pretty scripted type of drafter or uh, in the auction where I construct kind of like a draft day blueprint ahead of time. And I basically show up on draft day or the auction day and execute my plan. Uh, that's my goal. So if, if everything falls in the line, Draft day is very simple for me because I got my plan. I'm just there to execute it. I know the guys basically I want. Uh, Now, obviously, if somebody takes them in front of me, uh, that, you know, I got to be able to adapt to that. But uh, I I like to jump some of my players too on ADP. So I try not to let that happen when I have like a core player uh, that's that's really a, a basic building block to my team's success. I try to build my roster from the back first. For example, if there's five or six late outfielders I really like, I'll de-emphasize outfielders early in the draft. So I want to find those late guys that bring you know, the, the massive profit. I want those guys on my team, no matter what. The front-end guys, they're kind of more interchangeable for me. Uh, and uh, lastly, I, I think uh, over the years, I've done a good job of allocating my baseball time. So I've learned where to source relevant data and I've learned how to use it. Uh, when I saw this question, uh, I came up with, you know about a dozen resources I want to talk about but I trimmed it down to five to try and keep this to a, a decent. <laughs> okay. That's great. So uh, real quick, number one, Fangraphs. I download their historic data to my database. I set up and run some queries to look for player comps. Fangraphs also has roster resource for projected lineups. Very valuable tool. Uh, second one is Baseball Savant. I use that for stat cast metrics, uh, exit velocity, launch angle, sprint speed, and they got a whole bunch of other data I use too. Third would be Brooks Baseball. I use that to identify changes to pitch mixes, uh, velocity, whiff percentage, and the, uh, the beauty with that is you can filter by year, month, game, and a huge plus for that website is, is, is it includes data for postseason games. Uh, which Bye. could be very valuable as well. Uh, fourth would be NFBC ADP data. I need to know where the sheep are taking players so I know when to jump my target players. That's that's where everything comes together. I got to know when I jump my players. And then uh, lastly, I'd say uh, Jeff Zimmerman's mining the news articles. Uh, basically, if you're not familiar with them, Jeff summarizes recent fantasy news and adds his own kind of stellar fantasy take to it. And the beauty is he does it for free and it's amazing work and you can find it either on his Twitter account or fan graphs. So those would be like five resources that, that I really use almost on a daily basis to get ready for these drafts. Right. Awesome. And right now
1: too, it's, it's the biggest thing, right? It's the spring trainings on. And so every little bit of news we're kind of hyper adjusting to. And I was actually, that was a question I wanted to ask you. Like it's, is there a point where you have to be a little too careful with, with, with what you're, uh, what you're hearing or what the, you know, what the radar, shone, uh, radar gun shows, um, you know, how much news can you take in without really making too much of an over adjustment? I guess it, it's what I'm trying to say.
2: Yeah. So uh, you got to filter out the noise and, and figure out what's the real information, you know, game changers. Uh, is it Chris Paddock's curve looks awesome. If it does, he rockets up my board uh you know velocity changes as long as it's not a hot gun in the, in the stadium right. uh you know a couple of miles per hour would move the needle for some folks uh, either way whether it's more or less miles per hour so stuff like that you know somebody bops uh six homers or something I'm, I'm not really taking too much notice with that per se what about lineups yeah, lineups absolutely. I yeah. mean, that's one of the key things you, you have to pay attention to. Uh, you know, who's hitting first every day for the Nationals? Oh is it Robles? It. That's if it a does, very you know.
0: pressing question now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if it does, Matt Modica is going to win a lot of money this year, right? <laughs> that, that, I, I know you got him on some teams, but that, yeah, lineups you got to you got to pay attention to this stuff. Injured players that are supposed to be ready for opening day, what's happening with them? Because, you know, I could have my rankings right now. Somebody could literally move 50 spots based on some news that comes out tonight. Right. You got to be able to adjust. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. That that was fantastic. Matt, um, how would you describe your path to success?
0: Uh, I'll I'll start off simply like basically what Mark said about you have to put in the work. Right. If you really want to be good at something, no matter what you do, you have to do the work. And by doing the work, that's how you learn. I mean, you can find somebody that you think is a very good analyst and like their work, and I'm not saying you don't listen to them or follow them, but if you're not really getting in there and actually doing the work yourself, then you're at the mercy of someone else. And when it's your money and not their money, that sounds crazy, right? Doesn't I mean? Absolutely. Great so, uh, and I think you gotta be honest with yourself. What have you found that made you, uh, like, what are your strong points? What are your weaknesses? Like, I'm trying to get better at allocating my fab throughout the season. It's been something where I have a a ton of second-place finishes (laughs) where I would have had first-place finishes, but I I didn't have that couple extra bucks. I mean, I can look at it as where maybe I wouldn't have been in second. But I I think, you know, if you really want to win that overall, you got to have more money than I have coming into September. So that I, that I understand is a weakness and that I try and get better at every year. Uh, you know, so, I mean, being honest with oneself and nobody really wants that. Everybody wants to hear how great they are. Uh, but being able to drink the truth, which in this day and age is becoming more and more harder, is really something that will make you better in everything in life. Right. You know, when you look in the mirror, you say, look, I got to lose 15 pounds right now. Or, you know, I'm looking good. I, I feel good. My... Was, jeans was that directed better. at me, Matt? <laughs> no, yeah, look at you—you're like a little Hercules over there. You got your uh, treadmill next <laughs> to you. You're all ready for Vegas, <laughs> yeah, baby. But uh, I mean, those are the things. And like Mark said, uh, one of the sites he mentioned—I don't think it's enough uh, play—and that's Brooks Baseball. It's a phenomenal site in the fact that you can get a lot of the stuff now, like on Baseball Savant, but the way you can break it down. I use the term addition by subtraction all the time. And that's one of the things that's made me say successful, especially with pitchers, is I'm looking at how did they change? Like, did they do something? What made them good, basically? And even a guy like Aaron Nola, who's traditionally been good, basically changed his pitch mix, like how he grew, what he, you know, how, how the percentages and stuff like that last year. And he had a really good year. I mean, he's always been good. But there's other guys that you see, like wow, okay, he's not throwing the fastball 54 percent of the time now. He's throwing it 37 or 42 percent, but his slider, which is amazing, has now gone up. His changeup has gone up. So you know, it's just addition by subtraction, and you're lessening the worst pitch you throw, and you're intensifying your better pitches. So that uh, I mean, for spring training goes, I look at you know for pitchers maybe some. Uh, strikeouts minus walks, just to see how that's going. And as far as lineups go, I mean, right now I'll look at it, I'll be cognizant who's leading off here and there, but it's going to become more of a thing in the next week or two. Because if you look at today's lineup and, no, and none of the starters are in there and somebody's leading off for batting third, you're like, okay, you know, on, on the Rockies, Trevor Stor- the Rockies is a terrible example. Somebody else, you know, is batting third. <laughs> and but there's nobody in the lineup so you know that's really that that's meaningless so but like mark said listen to you have to find a small group of people that you trust their opinion that will be honest with you and that you can bounce things off of you, after a while if you listen to too many people and saying that they're not good or anything like that it just becomes noise. how much can right. you take in you're gonna get confused
1: Right. And your head starts spinning. Right? It's just too information overload. Like you earmuffs, said, just, earmuffs. Yeah. At some
2: point you gotta put the earmuffs on. Right. Yeah, and you're exactly right, Matt. No sugar coating, baby. You need honesty. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Yeah, no. yeah. And I think you guys nailed it too. It's like identifying maybe an analyst that you like or a site that you like and then and then just really owning in on that. But then bringing it into yourself too like like you said matt you know it's your money right so you're not just going to be looking at things and saying oh that's what that says so that's what it is like you have to you have to really you know put your like you said put your time into it and really truly evaluate whether this player is going to be on the rise or if he's you know if he's really not performing as he should you know um awesome stuff um so i actually wanted to ask you guys too about um the importance or like the significance of knowing what your competitors are going to do at the draft table so maybe having a history of you know um, a frame of reference of maybe what owners like to tend to pick if you found some you know trends in their and the way they draft and if you keep like a history of all your drafts and all the owners that were involved and the standings of them like in a special place so you have a place to go back to to see you know what went well in that draft and what 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 the other owners did.
0: And personally for me I, I don't have a history of drafts. I mean I get to know I've done so many damn draft champions. I get to know what some people like I've been, I've been in, they know what I like I know what they like but bottom line is when we go live it's it's, it's a new set of ADP really you're using the most current and all that but I, I'm not I see moves in like real time because I've done so many of them. And yeah, it's great to know what somebody likes, but I'm gonna look at the ADP and it's only a tool. And it's basically, if I really want somebody, I know where I'm gonna to have to be, be uh, like where I have to jump him, whatever you wanna say. I don't consider it a reach, because ADP says his ADP is uh, 54, but I have him as the 40th best player. That's just because the public says. Or, you know, the the guys that have been doing this over the last couple of weeks, you know, which are, there are a lot of good players, don't get me wrong. But that's what they say. I say something different. So, I honestly, I, I don't care if somebody likes my pick, hates my pick. That never enters my mind. It's how am I building my team? I had, like, the, if, you, if you get the one pick and you say I'm going to Kuna or Tatis, whoever is your guy and you're not asking yourself, what the hell am I doing on the two, three turn for starting pitching? Then you're pretty much probably lost already.
1: Wow. Perfect. (laughs) Love it.
2: Yeah. uh, I don't really keep uh, old draft results or anything like that. As far as competitors. Sure. If the information's out there, I'll try and come up uh, with kind of a, uh, an advanced scouting report on some folks if if only there was somebody on this uh podcast that was in my main event in new york city uh that that has a podcast that that uh you know recommends some of his players says who he likes if it's out there happen rob (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's out there. I remember last year too, seeing you uh, troll Dave McDonald with uh with the yeah. keep putting his picture of his closer rankings. You know, when whenever he said something, he just flashed the
2: closer <laughs> rankings, like I have this <laughs> in my hand. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I, I mean, we're joking around about it, Rob, but in all seriousness. Yeah. I will use it against you. Of course, hundred percent. Right. If right. if I like the same guys that you that I can hear on your podcast that you like, absolutely I'll use it against you. I already know one person I'm gonna use it against you on. <laughs> <laughs> it's all business baby at the draft table. Absolutely. No,
1: but it's all great. It's just, it's just another layer. It's, a, it's just another layer of, you know,
2: um, strategy to, and another thing to think about. So, well, listen, um, before you go to the next question, Rob, real yeah. quick, that that's why I have a lot of respect for Matt specifically and, and you as well, Rob, because you guys are putting your opinions out there for the public to scrutinize good, bad, and different, but folks like me who kind of keep it close to the vest, I have that knowledge about you guys. If I compete against you, you don't really have much knowledge about who I like. So advantage me, but, but that's, I have a lot of respect for you because you guys win regardless. (laughs) (laughs) You won an overall last year. Matt's got an impressive resume, you know, much respect to both of you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. That's awesome. It's well said.
1: Um, so, all right. So Matt, I think you kind of went over one of your weaknesses that you mentioned that you're trying to improve on this year. So I, you know, maybe you could elaborate on, um, another one, but Mark, yeah, so you know, staying atop that leaderboard. So I'm sure you constantly have to break down your teams, what you're doing wrong, what you're doing, right. What you get better at. So is there anything this year that you're focused on trying to improve your game? Is this for me? Uh, I, yeah, um, whoever wants okay. to go.
0: I know. Uh, I mean, I, I, I said something. about the fab. Yeah. You wonder what it is too. It's sometimes you know your heart and your head are competing. It's like the you know like the hmm. good angel, the bad angel. There's the guy that you want, and there's the right pick. Right. And making that right pick, it might sound easy, but you know when you're when you're in the mix in the fight, you you need to stay on. I, I, I just stay focused course, you know, maybe somebody that's a little sexier and if he does hit, yeah, great. But there's that right pick too that I think sometimes people pass up that player and that could be a detriment to your your build at times. I don't know if I explained that right, how I wanted to say it, but uh,
1: I, I do think that's something that's important. Got it. like it. Mark, what do you think? What are you trying to work on this year? Is there any, have you found any holes in your complete package game? <laughs> no, I got a, I got a lot of holes, baby. I got a lot of holes. The, the
2: key is to have less holes than my competitors. Mm-hmm. Right, so, yeah, every, right. everybody has weaknesses. Of so, course. so a couple of mine. Uh, one, I need more access to player news from direct sources. So, what I did last year was I created the Twitter account. And started following the beat writers Mm -hmm. for the teams to try and get more information directly from the source as opposed to me trying to google it looking on roto world you know all these different sites i'll go right with the beat writers so we'll see how that works out this year you know i want to see who's warming up in the bullpen when the game's close things like that uh my teams tend to underperform in batting average a bit i'm not sure exactly why but you know, I'm trying to correct that this year with moving up players with good batting average profiles. Uh, and then I guess my my last weakness, I'm not sure how to correct this, but uh, I really only have time to focus on fab on Sundays. That's just the way the the week works with work and and the family and things like that. Uh, short of getting divorced, I'm not sure how to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you only have so much time in a day, and and I'm sure you know we want to put in as
1: much time as we can. And it comes to that point on on Sunday, that short window when you maybe kind of realize in your head, like, oh man, I'm not where I want to be with uh, Fab right now, and it's uh, you know, you get that little bit of a panic attack inside you. At least I did last year.
2: <laughs> like, yeah, that's exactly. I didn't right. leave myself
1: enough time. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I want to keep it to four Fab leagues this year okay that's a good number i have people going hey i'm good with 12 i'm good with 15 i'm like wow i can't do
0: that i mean fab that's crazy i mean i'll do probably eight but i have partners on like say six of them
1: at least five i have partners with right probably more like six and i'll have like two of my own right awesome so um did you maybe say like someone like me who entered the NFPC last year or homeowners get involved this year for the first time, or, you know, moving on from a site like CBS and ESPN and Yahoo, can you give like just simple um, overlay of, you know, the best ways to be successful? I know you guys hit on what you guys use, you know, in your advanced approach, but there's some basic things that, you know, Anyone can do to you know improve their success if they're getting involved with the NFBC for the first time. Matt, yeah, you want to so, go first on this one? will oh, get okay, Mark Ed. Sorry,
2: uh, yeah, sorry. On, on top of all the other stuff I mentioned, uh, number one would be stay hungry. All right, mm. your record last year, good or bad, doesn't matter this year. Me being a Hall of Famer don't mean shit this year. If I don't put in the time, I'm going to get steamrolled. So stay hungry would be number one, no matter what. Those first two years, like I mentioned, where I got creamed, I could have gave up. I'm thankful I didn't. I stayed hungry. Uh, just, just some other random thoughts here. Uh, when, when you're on the clock at the draft table, don't worry about what other people are going to say about your selection, whether it's good or bad. You know, if there's somebody three rounds past their ADP and you want to take it because you want to get all the, hey, great, great value with that. There's probably a reason why they're still there three rounds past their ADP uh, when you're swimming with the Sharks. Always take the player most beneficial to your team. Uh, I'd, I'd suggest to your listeners to map out the first couple weeks of starting pitchers and move up pitchers with great matchups. For example, the Cubs SP2 and SP3 faced the Pirates twice in the first two weeks. Oh, shit. Did I say that out loud? Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, and then for this year specifically, uh, it doesn't look like there's going to be an NL DH, So I'd suggest moving up NL starting pitchers across the board. I'd slightly move down good hitting NL catchers because they can't DH now. So they can really only play when they're catching, uh, which they can only do so much of. NL leadoff hitters, you know, maybe some less RBI opportunities now with the pitcher in front of them. And then the ALDH only players, when they, when their teams move into playing an NL ballpark, they're probably going to lose some playing time there. So those are some guys that uh, I'd slightly move down in my rankings, but across the board, NL SP rock it up.
1: Right. Right. That's a good one. I like the, I like that. And um, so when you, when you're talking about the NL hitting catchers, so you, um, It's one thing I've seen a lot of people talk about, and, you know, I know they mentioned JTR, and I know he's got the injury right now, Mr. Real Muto. But for instance, like two years ago in 2019, he had 596 plate appearances without the DH, right? So do you think that applies to, like definitely applies to a guy like him this year? Or do you think some guys
2: are safeguarded from that? Well, I'd lower his at-bats down some. I mean, catcher is a grueling position to begin with. And I've right. always been burned when I've used an early spot on, on, on catchers, an early draft spot uh, or a selection. So I tend to stay away from them. And I know there's some numbers out there that say that's not the case. But listen, that, I go with what I know and what's made me successful. I, I stay away from that. So, yeah, I, me personally, I'd move all those guys down a little bit, whether it's 10 at-bats, 20 at-bats, something like that. But uh, another uh, hot catcher that everybody wants is Will Smith. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the, uh, the lineups from the postseason, he was DH in the heck of a lot. Right. So, uh, you know, they want Austin Barnes in there. I believe Barnes is Kershaw's uh, personal catcher. Right. So uh, I'd be a little bit concerned with that. Me personally, I won't be taking catchers early, but uh, I'll leave that for somebody else to do. While we're, while
1: we're on the Dodger lineup real quick, I wanted to know if you caught the fact that Bellinger batted sick the last 16 games of the year. And if that makes any difference about how you evaluate him this year, you think that's something they're going to keep going forth with, or you think that was injury related?
2: Well, uh, oh, geez, I don't want to, like I said, I like to play things close to the vest. Right, but right. I mean, I'll let okay. this one out. Gotcha. Bellinger, Bellinger, he won't be on any of my teams. I don't want anything to do with him. Shoulder issues. Uh, doesn't, doesn't present a rosy picture to me. And when you got to take him at the end of the first or early second and he has these issues, why even fuck with it? Just take right. somebody who doesn't have issues <laughs> that you know yeah. is going to put up the numbers. I don't even want to deal with it. He won't got be on my teams. Perfect. Yeah, Matt. Sorry. Yeah, no, uh, just to get back to a
0: point Mark made about like Will Smith, I, mm. I think everybody thinks the world of him as a hitter and all this. But I mean, the managers come out. He said it. You know, he's, you know, he's Kershaw's guy, Austin Bonds. and you know, he, he's not going to get the at bats. So it's going to just be so difficult for him. And I see, I saw somebody take him at seventy eight. I mean, like, what are you expecting from him? There's no DH. He's gonna, he's capped. He's capped at at bats, and it's not that he's a bad player. You know, if he was a, if they had to DH or he was a first baseman or something, I'd say, yeah, the, the guy can hit. I'm not doubting that. But as Mark's point said, he DH. So, I mean, it's things like that where it's not that he's a bad player. It's wh- how can he do? Can he succeed? You know, maybe, maybe in 385 at bats. He hits 25 home runs and has one of those magical years. You know, that does happen, but that's, the chances of that happening? are uh, very slim and like you know why why make that play when there's so many good hitters there or good pitchers and you're going to miss out on that for a slim chance uh, i mean and if you're making a transition say from the yahoo and the espn i mean it sounds obvious and simple but knowing the nfbc format first knowing that there's no trading right. and you know so you can't draft a bunch of closers and say i'm going to trade them at some point later in the season you know you you you're, you're not you're not you know you're also it's not just even that you should do like a draft champions first just to see the difference in pitching pitching's going to be different from anything you've seen even from an industry draft you heard on the radio when you get into the nbc it's going to be yellow i mean it's gotten to the point where it's you know basically like blinding yellow now <laughs> but it's always been yellow you know, people always get that one guy at least. Now everybody's getting two. Well, not everybody. But a lot of people are getting two. So you, you need to know the market. You need to know what, what, what you're in for. You don't have to take two pitchers. You know, you could say, I got my guy at 28. I'm going Juan Soto at three. And at 28, I got my pitcher. You know, he should be there. Or if he's not there, I'm at least comfortable with this guy. And then I'm going to wrap around, I'm going to grab my other hitter because I got my pitcher in the fourth or fifth round that I really like. That's a plan. Because you're not going to be able to get all your pitching, all your speed. You know, you want to get everything in those first five rounds. And there's only a couple of really good closers that, you know, have that guaranteed role. I mean, for me, it's like a handful of guys. And after that, i rather just piece it together. Right.
1: I think you guys made great point about road mapping. You, you know, whether it be the first five rounds or, you know, definitely three, five, 10, you know, like um, just at least have an expectancy like you, guys mentioned of knowing what's happening, you know, knowing what's been going on in recent drafts and um, having that experience, like you said, just jump into the draft. So instead of reading the ADP all the time, you can actually experience it live. Right. And you see, okay, this is happening because when it's, When you're in the draft and you experience and you have the draft board in front of you, it's much different than just trying to read the the ADP um, charts all the time. Um, That's
2: right, Rob. When you're put on the clock and you got the one minute when you got some money on the line, it's a different experience, a different feeling. You got to know which way you're going ahead of time. (laughs) You can't just figure it out on the fly. Right, right. And that's why it was
1: funny with that tag team league, right, Matt? Like, you know, it was my first fast draft of the year and it happened to be with a partner. So it was uh, – it came it came real quick. You know, it was a good thing we got on the Zoom and and we road mapped as much as we could. And we were, you know, fast to pivot to, you know, spots we needed to. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: I, I recommend – I'm sorry, sorry to cut you off. But if you've yeah. just been doing, like, draft champions, maybe do, like, one OC just to – just to get that feel again, because it's right. a different feel, and you got to get out of that mindset where you're like, you know what, I can't make any in-season pickups, and I got to grab these pitchers here or grab this backup guy because the rest of the third baseman suck or something right. like that. Because in <laughs> yeah. the fab, you know, you can take these guys later, and it's going to be a different setup. Like Mark said, one of the most important things is mapping out the pitching two weeks in advance. That's, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna play well in fab and you want to get that either good starter that's out there or that possible closer, you got to get them two weeks in advance. You're not, you know, maybe you get them that week before, but if they're available, you're spending a ton of money. That's when you're really going to pay. And if you can get them to the two weeks out,
1: that's when you can get, you know, for a few dollars and really hit that home run. Great. So speak. So we're talking about road mapping your draft. So talk to me about, um, your process, both you, um, Mark, I'll let you go first with this one, uh, um, about your process with KDS and is, is it like how much time you put into deciding where you want to draft.
2: Yeah, so uh, with KDS, I'm just trying to line up my first five to six picks. Uh, and with having two main event teams, I'll probably have two different sets of KDS uh, just to diversify my early picks. Uh, last year, I uh, unfortunately had Verlander in a couple of main events in the first round. I had Kirby Yates in the fourth round in a couple of main events. And uh, that didn't work out well. So I'm looking to diversify a little bit since I only have uh, two main events. I don't want to tie myself to the, to the same first round player. So if I happen to get the number one pick in both leagues, I'll be taking different people. Uh, so that, that's it. KDS, I'm just looking at my first five to six picks of the draft. And then after that, I can jump whoever I want. Got it. Perfect.
0: <clears throat> yeah, like if I'm, I'm going to do a couple, like if, if I want the grime on my team, obviously I'm shooting for the, the the top pick or like a top three pick. And I think that's where you're going to have that's what you're going to have to pay for him or Cole, what, whichever one you prefer. However that goes. But now, uh, if you get like six to eight and you you plan on going hitter, that's a really sweet spot, or it has been at least a sweet spot of late because uh, DeGrom and Cole have both been going top five. Uh, I mean, I've seen Mookie Betts go eight a couple of times in some really good leagues with some really good players. So, I mean, if you're sitting there at eight and you start off with a Mookie Betts, I think you can make the pitching work. Uh, um, you know, I think if you got like, you know, if, you, if you're somewhere who have been playing for a while, you can figure that that out. So, But if I'm going in at six to eight, I'm setting it as my top preferences, I'm basically going with the idea that I want that hitter. Right. So now I'm mapping out the pitching from there or say if I go 11 and whoever my pitcher might be, or if I want the yell it, but say Yellow's moved up. He had a hot spring. He's not there anymore. So at 11, there's a pitcher, whether it's Bauer, Yellick, Darvish, whichever, that's my guy. I got there. Am I, am I taking a second pitcher in that second round? Am I getting the hitter? Do I like who's there at the three, four, you know, turn? And, and honestly, I, I, I don't hate 11. I actually like 11 a lot. Because I, I like the, the hitters and the uh, players that have been there for me in the past. Obviously, the board's going to get tighter. I mean, it's hard to even say that. It can get tighter, but it's going to get tighter. and It's really going to squeeze on you. So I, I know like a lot of people like Xander Bogarts. I know he's got the shoulder thing right now, but just to use him as an example. He was a guy that was going mid-third to later third. And he's, he was consistently going in the second round anywhere from kind of early to late over the last week and a half before the shoulder thing popped out. And I saw him go second not too long ago, so maybe it was even after that. So just to let like, you know, like, guys are going to get their guys. They're going to go off of their board and get who they want. So if you're like, well, here's the question you got to ask yourself. What is the chance that this guy's coming back to me? And if you're like, eh, Grab the guy. That's right. the way I look at it. I I'm, i don't care. I, I'd rather get that guy than be like, you know what? I'm going to see if I
1: can get him. Because then you're going to be so pissed off that you didn't get him. And that's the mistake a lot of people make. Right, especially in draft when, it's, you know, if that creeps into your brain, any type of regret creeps into your brain as you are picking. up. Yeah, the regret. Yeah, but it's just
0: the competition you're playing with. You yeah. can't make the mistakes. It's the little things. The yeah. margin of error is narrow. Right. So
1: the more mistakes you make, the more openings you give others. All right, absolutely, awesome. So you guys are about, um, both well versed in auctions, um, and you got got great success. And you're getting involved with some auctions this year. So, you have any general tips for the listeners about you know how to best prepare for one? I will Mark Marco first too.
2: Yeah, well, I'm doing the two super auctions. Uh, like Matt said earlier. I think it's the best format because you can be in on basically any player you want and you can try and tailor it to get more of your guys. Uh, So for me, I like to uh, create chaos and confusion for my competitors. And some examples of that, uh, I'm going to be bidding on almost every player in the first half of the auction. So competitors can't get a read on which guys I really like or I don't like. I'm going to change the tone and volume of my voice during the course of the auction. Some bids are going to be shouted out. Some are going to be softer. Uh, I'm going to have my partner bid on a player once in a while. So competitors hear a different voice. All again, trying to cause some confusion, chaos. I'm going to overbid myself even when I have the current high bid. Verbally, I'm going to engage (laughs) with my competitors and say something along the lines of, Hey, Brian, I see you got the top bid right now. Just because it's you, I'm going to go a dollar more. <laughs> and that really, that really burns some people. They don't want to look like asses. And, and again, to create confusion and chaos. And one of, the, one of the tricks I like to do is I immediately try to influence competitors roster construction with my first nomination, something along the lines of this. All right, everybody, I'm gonna tie up somebody's utility spot right from the start and nominate JD Martinez for five bucks. Whoever gets them, your util spot is gone for the rest of the auction. So so those are some things that I tend to throw out in auctions or do just to create, you know, people don't react well when there's uncertainty, me included, when because I like a scripted type of plan. So I want to create that environment for my competitors.
0: Uh, I think the first thing Mark said is really important. And I do that all the time. I'm in on all the players, at least for the first half of it. I mean, look, if it's a $25 player, you're not going to throw out $25. But if he's a good player and you like him at $18, say, or, you know, $16 something, at least be in it, you know, be active. Don't just throw out guys you don't like. You know, that's just people are going to catch on to that real quick. Throw on guys you like too. And sometimes – you know getting involved early, you're going to get the best deal. You might not think so, but that's where you get some of the best deals. Because then when, then, when there's only like a pitcher or two left, those guys are getting pushed up. So, the guy that was maybe 35 is going to go for 40, and you got the you know, one of the top two guys say for 42. So, that's what I mean by a deal in, in that aspect. But I think you need to be in on it, I think you need to change it up as far as guys you like, guys you don't like. Because otherwise, you know, after a while, if you're you're paying attention, you can start reading people. Mm -hmm. And you don't want it to be so scriptive every time you go. And, you know, have fun with it. For like, if I'm doing a super or an ultimate, I'm more scripted with my plan as if I'm doing a couple of ultimate auctions, I'll do them differently. One day I'm gonna go in, and maybe I go really pitching heavy, or one day I go really hitting heavy, because those, those I'll mix up a little, but you know, the higher with the entry fee, the more I'm going to be like, I have, a, I have a certain group of guys I have to get, or I really want to get, and if I don't get that guy, who's that guy that can fill in?
1: Fantastic. I love it. So, and you mentioned like the, like the dollar value, Um, you know, like if, if, if you had a guy for, you know, 25 or is, how much variance do, or flexibility do you have in your, in your bid, Matt? Are you, are, are you like um, strict within your dollar values or is there like a, a wide range of $25 player and you're like, I I'll go X amount at, you know, or is it just depending to when, like when it is in the draft and like what you have on the roster? I mean, I think Casey Chab made it famous in that interview with Vlad about he only has certain players
0: he wants. I mean, I'm not as rigid as that, but I think we all have our biases and we all have really our guys, unless we're just gifted somebody that we could be like, you know. But I, I'm I'm not as rigid. I know like Larry Schechter, who's been very successful, and wrote a book. He won't like pass that dollar or maybe he'll go an extra dollar and that's it. Right. If that's my core player, I'll go a couple of dollars over and then I'll reallocate that money. You know, you can always, you know, things can move around. You know, it's not like the strict budget where I I can't spend the dollar over here on, you know, this uh, position or that position. I can always make it up.
1: That Makes sense. That would be like restricting yourself like when you went out to but use- for
0: some people it really works, like, like I'm saying. Right. Like I wanted to use him because he's been successful in the industry and in the high stakes level. So
1: right. awesome. Yeah. Um, Mark to create a chaos. That's uh that's that's <laughs> awesome. I feel like there should be a t-shirt that yes, should- <laughs> that's t-shirt material right there. I love it. Oh man. So all right, moving on to uh, uh, a hotly debated topic pretty much every year and especially recently is projections and you know um, how we use them or not use them and our player evaluations. And um, so do you guys use projections and if so, how Matt, you want to go first on this one? Oh, yeah, I'll go first on this one. Yeah.
0: I do use projections, but I use them in a way where I'll use like an index, like, you know, like in like the stock market, there's indexes and they put different company, like, you know, companies I'll take, you know, a few of the projections that I like. I'll see what the average, how that average is out based on what I have in my head for that player. I'll have a ballpark figure for that player. I'm not going to do my own. I, I got, like, I want to, I want to deep dive on pitchers and research and you know, I, I want to see all their, you know, uh, changes and the velocities and the pitch mixes. So there's a few people I trust or, or like, you know, like whatever, steamer, the bat, you know, just to throw out a couple and I'll use that average. And basically I'll look at a projection and based off what I have is what is the likelihood that player can surpass that? What is the likelihood he'll just meet it and, or he'll fail. So those are the three questions I'll ask myself on that guy. And then I'll look at it as far as like the ADP or, you know, how many guys are projected at this position to back 285 and hit 20 home runs. I mean, if you'll get a guy like Kettle Marte, I think some people like, just push him to the side. But if he hits, you know, 22 home runs, bats 289, steals nine bases, that's a hell of a season. And that's a much better season than most of the second basemen, or at least anybody would have to get early. So uh, I I think they're useful. Uh, I I wouldn't be blinded by it, but look, some people have their system and it works for them. They're they're rigid, they swear by it. Like look at Phil, Uh, you guys call him the robot. He's got a system. He swears by it. It's been successful. Right. Why would you change that? I mean, why would you ever go off that until you're not successful with it? I'm more of, you know, a dinosaur pen and paper guy. Right. That's how I roll. That's how I'm good. I don't have, you know, my projections rolling down as I'm doing the main event and stuff. It's, I know the guys I like. Uh, I think it's a good team. Whatever I'm deficient in, I need to fill it up in fed
2: Got it. Love it. Yeah, I think uh, Matt's tagline is uh, do what works for you. Mm -hmm. So no matter what matter I say and suggestions for folks, if something's working for you, stick with it. Uh, So as far as projections, I don't use them. Uh, I'm going to win or lose based on my evaluations and rankings. Uh, I guess my biggest complaint with projection systems would be, I don't know exactly what they're counting and in what percentages. Uh, For me personally, any data older than maybe the past 18 months is meaningless for me other people have different opinions that's uh, great for them well scoreboard always speaks right so uh, me personally I like I, I hope to be on the uh, the leading edge of identifying players who made a recent change and something uh, you know pitch mix uh, stamp batting stance that the projections are not taking into account a great example of this would be in in 2018 with Brandon Woodruff he started throwing a new pitch. I think it was a sinker, but it doesn't matter. All that matters is scoreboard. So at the end of the season, including the playoffs, his overall metrics, once he started throwing the sinker, were off the charts. This is again, 2018 at the end of the season, he started throwing it. His K K per nine was 14 point something. His XFIP was like 1.5 and he had like a 0.7 whip. It was like Unbelievable. And that year he was kind of like a reliever starter slash things, but he was set to start in 2019. So it was a very small sample size, which projection systems paid no attention to. However, I saw that. I didn't see anybody else touting this anywhere. So guess what? I loaded up on Woodruff in 2019, you know, 15th, 16th round, wherever he was going. I got him wherever I could. And guess what? It was his breakout season. Uh, So me personally, I'm not using projections. They're they're kind of like dinosaurs for me. You got to be able to move much more quickly on these things, especially with Statcast data out there now.
0: Yeah, but just what Mark said, especially with pitching, recency bias matters so much more. Like, and I'll always use the Lucas Giolito because it's the easiest one, where he was the worst pitcher in 2018, right. but he learned, he changed his game. Like he said in the interview recently on MLB Network. I learned my change up after I got Tommy John, just from like, you know, playing around, working out. And he's a totally different pitcher. But it that's still weighted in his projection. So right. you need to know that. I mean, if you're looking at that, you're like, wow, I'm not gonna touch Giolito because you know they got him with this high ERA. Right. But it's weighted in that projection. So, like Mark says, if it's like Mark does, the little things that you can find if you put that time in. And that research, I mean, you got to love to enjoy it. If you don't, then I wouldn't tell you to put money down on leagues and go all crazy like this, but it's the little things. And that's – Mark had to be ecstatic when he saw that, and then he loaded up, and then he got those results. Like that whole summer long, he's he's, he's grinning ear to ear. Yeah, I mean, those little things can make you so, so happy.
1: Right. That's, for a long time. that's such an important point that you make about waiting a season that is – not the same player, right? You know, it, it's Darvish, a, Darvish, yeah. you, Darvish.
0: You Darvish, your three years. Ago, I don't care. He was he was hurt. He made a change. His catcher, his personal catcher, they brought to him to San Diego. I'm not investing in you, Darvish, for the next three years like the Padres. But I think you, jarvis made that change. Now he's going. He was in a very good division. But I mean, the guy went. He he wasn't walking anybody. I mean, hey. he went from being a wild guy to having like elite control. He's on a very good team without. Outside of facing the Dodgers or having to go to Coors, there's not, you know, those teams are terrible. Like when the Rockies come in to San Diego, he's at a major advantage there. So, I mean, you can look at it this way. I I think this year in particular, all pitching is a major risk. I'm not shying away from pitching because you you need that pitching. the, the, The market dictates it. You have to grab at least one and you need it. But I think they're all substantial risk because they all pitch whatever it was, 70, maybe 80 innings, tops. And now they're going to be asked to pitch at least 100 more. And if the team's in a race, like the Dodgers don't have the luxury they had in the past where there was nobody in their division. They got the Padres that are going to be on their heels. I, I At least I think. So it's not like, you know, we can just put these guys on the I.L. And I know they have other good pitchers, but if Kershaw goes down or Bueller gets hurt, I think they go out and trade for like a Louis Castillo because come the playoffs where it matters, they want a top three or at least a top two. You know, I love Tony Gossett. I'm buying him in draft champions as he falls down the boards. Now, Dustin May is what it was a 10th round pick in November. Now he's a 19th round pick. Yeah, 19th round. I'll take Dustin May. He goes in that rotation. You know, that's a major boom. I, I'm not paying a tenth pound price, I'm paying a highly discounted price in a format where I could park them on my bench.
2: Right. You're are you reading? Yeah.
0: Are you are you reading my notes, Matt? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. I've just
0: done so many of these damn things. <laughs> it's gonna be it's not only gonna be like Sunday. I'm gonna have like Saturday. I'm telling my wife like the summer Saturday and Sunday morning. You wanna go to brunch early? Whatever you want to do. After that (laughs) (laughs) uh, I'll be locked in the room.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So that's funny because that kinda segues into what I was gonna ask you next about ADP. I know you guys mentioned it a couple of times about how you like to use it. You know, you just mentioned now Matt, you know, about Paying attention, especially in a specific format where you could, you know, take advantage of, you know, um, talent falling and you could park him on your bench until he comes up. You don't have to waste a roster spot that you might be, you know, that you might need in, you know, like in a main event league. So is there any other use or applications for ADP besides what you guys have already mentioned?
0: I don't know. I just do every morning when I sit down and have my coffee, I change the date. So I keep it like 15 days out where it's like at least 10 drafts. So, cause I don't care what happened on February 1st and you're getting, you're getting stale data anyway, if you're not doing, like I'm doing a couple right now. So I've kind of still know what's going on, but you're getting stale data anyway. So like anything past, anything before February 15th, I really don't care about.
1: Especially, especially once it comes to a point where like there was a significant signing and you want to like do it from that guy, you know, from that day on. I was was just going to bring him up
0: in like the 10th round. (laughs) Right. Now he's a sixth round pick, maybe early seventh. Right. So whether
1: you agree with that or not, you need to know that. Right. You need to take those dates out that show that 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 yeah. old data. Right. Very important. Hundred percent. Mark, do you have anything to add to?
2: Well, I mean, that? just to reiterate, I'm I'm using ADP to to jump my target players. So right. uh, For example, if, if uh, Zach Eflin's. Uh, I think he's going to break out this year and uh, return like a seventh round or better value. And his ADPs currently sitting in 12th or 13th round. I'm going to look to acquire in like the 10th, maybe 11th round at the latest. That's really all I use ADP for. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Right. So, still, still important though. Like it, it's part, it's part of the, uh, it's part of the toolbox. Um, so I had a question about the, you know, the information age, you know, it's very trending upward. There's so many different, you know, I know you guys say to trim the fat and fade the noise and focus on things that can help you. But um, I was wondering if there's anything like new, you know, like in the stack casting that you've taken a look at and said, eh, you know, that's, that's really hasn't moved that, that won't move the needle in my um, player evaluation. Has there something that you think that's been overhyped? Uh,
0: I'll go off of like your, your pod with John and Doug. I think Doug made some great examples. And I've said this, like there's people that are putting formulas together that I can't do. I, you know, I'm really, I was really good with math when I worked on wall street and like I call it traditional math. I don't even know what the hell math is now. My cousin's fourth grade math. I can't even do, but like, I can't put these formulas together. And some of it, I'm not even sure how applicable it is. I'm not saying it's not good. And I'm like, wow, that that looks great. But how much can I bank on it that it translates right now? How much evidence is there supporting it? How many years of it? So find certain metrics that you like. I mean, always, I think everybody will tell you strikeouts minus walk percentage is basically where you stop. That's where you start. Get a few metrics. I mean, you can't have all the metrics, then what the hell are you doing? I mean, how how are you making sense of it? Right. So find a, you know, a group of metrics you like that you think if you're an x trip guy, Sierra. I, I, I still like to look at those. I mean, I know we have I know we've moved on and you know, some of these simple things still work. They still tell a story, at least they tell it to me. So I mean that and now you can go, you like Mark said, you go on brunch baseball. Wow, this guy's X-FIP or Sierra was. What did he do? Oh, shit. In August, he started throwing this pitch, you know, 40 percent of the time. He only threw it, you know, 18 percent prior. And he's not throwing that meatball, of a fastball, 52 percent. Now it's, you know, 39. So just those things that, you know, it's it's putting on. I, I know we all say it's a hobby and stuff like that. And we're we, it's great, guys. And I love the competition. But you want to win or at least you want to. Like Alec Baldwin and Greg Garrigan Ross, always be closing. It's always be cashing. Always be cashing. Because if you cash, you can continue to play year after
1: year after year. Meatball percentage, by the way. It's (laughs) it's great to see that on a chart, right? Yes.
0: Yes. (laughs) My my meatball percentage intake is pretty big, I'll say that.
1: (laughs) That's fantastic. This is what people come to tune into the pull of podcast for talking about meatball percentages. <laughs> that's fantastic. Mark, how do you evaluate, um, you know, new metrics? Or do you find there's something that's been overhyped recently? Maybe that's come out and everyone's been gaga over it and they're like, nah, not really.
2: Well, uh, use what works, right? So uh, for hitters, I want hitters that don't strike out. I want hitters that hit the ball hard at the right launch angle. Uh, I mean, those are are pretty basics now that maybe a couple years ago weren't very basic. So it's, you got to improve your game and evaluate for yourself what works. It's, it's okay to come up with what, you know, the formulas Matt was talking about and algorithms and things like things like that. If you can't apply them. And again, scoreboard speaks, are you winning leagues? Are you winning money? That's ultimately how you got to judge yourself. Uh, If, if, that that's not working for you. I mean, the the underlying analysis is is meaningless. Right. Um, Absolutely. So that's how I see that. Cool. All right. So I have some player questions ready for you guys.
1: So obviously, you know, key component of winning the league is really identifying and capitalizing on those market inefficiencies. So I was wondering if you guys would be willing to provide a couple of players that appear undervalued based on their current ADP. I'll start
0: here. Uh, I mean, I'll just go back off of last year, going into going into last season. I mean, where was Austin Meadows? Where was Gleber Torres? I mean, Gleyber Torres doesn't have to – he's not a 290 hitter. I don't need him to bat 290. If he goes 30, 90, 90, if he's in the the in that lineup and everybody's healthy, I mean, as, as, as long as he's playing every day, he's going to produce. Austin Meadows, I, I you know, it was a lost season. I think this kid was on the verge of a breakout. Yes, he had some strikeout issues, especially against lefties. But I think this is a real talent. Now he's a seventh—you know—he's a seventh rounder. So I, you know, I'm not saying, but these are guys I'm looking at that last year, everybody seemed to love, and now all of a sudden, they—you know—people are running from.
1: Them. And it's not like last year, 160 games ago, right, Matt? It's last yeah, no, year, 60 was, games ago. 60
0: games, and neither of them played. It, you know. Uh, which uh, Torres Meadows, had all yeah. these issues. He did actually improve his plate skills a little while he was in there. And I mean, Austin Meadows, you got to give him a, a total mulligan. He was never healthy. He was, he was, ne- he was just never right. Right. So, and he seems to be, like I said, it's the first week, so I'm not going to take too much into it. But these first couple of days, he's batting lead off. He's hitting bombs. Obviously, he could be hitting bombs off a guy that's going to be, you know, uh checking bags next month. I don't know. But right. at, least, at least he's a guy that was really <laughs> sick and out of it, and he's doing good things. So that's at least something you want to see. Like a Yohan Mankata. You want to see this guy who said he couldn't stand up and he was so tired and, you know, it really affected him. You want to see him out there. You want to see him stealing bases, hitting the ball hard. So those are things, I mean, I, I, those are a couple of guys I
1: just look at. Awesome. Mark?
2: Yeah, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll uh, stick with uh, Zach Eflin. Uh, like I mentioned before, mm-hmm. he's going like 12th, 13th round uh, last year. His curveball was it was bone crushing, uh, with like a 44 percent whiff rate, 50 percent ground ball rate, and the Zach slugging was a uh, 140 uh, for that pitch. And the beauty about him is there's profit potential because he only threw it 13 percent of the time last year. Uh, nice. So he, you know all things being equal, if he can ramp that up, uh, there's probably some good things uh, in line for him. Uh, and, and don't forget, no NLDH. You got to bump up, you know, the NL starting pitchers. Uh, and that touched on him. Like I said, he's reading my notes here. Dustin May and, and Tony Gonsolin, uh, they're being left for dead in these drafts. You know, 17th, 18th round, uh, probably a mistake by fantasy owners. Uh, The Dodgers need to manage the regular season workload uh, plus an extra 25 to 30 playoff innings, uh, perhaps for their frontline guys. You know, these innings add up. Uh, Competitors, you know, my competitors are are likely overestimating the number of innings Bueller, Kershaw, Urias and and Price are going to throw. And again, I'll keep stressing it. There's no NLDH for May and Gonsalem. So those are a couple of guys that, uh, you know, when I looked at my list were, uh, were certainly undervalued.
1: The NLDH is so crucial. It's uh, gonna, and you know, again, right. It's the funny thing is the the reliance on so the uh numbers the projections and uh, we don't even know right if, if what they're factoring to with those like we don't know if they're using them or not if we're using the the end of the i don't look at them rob right, <laughs> i have right. no idea 100 you know, no, percent. <laughs> that's a great point so all right so how about a couple of players that appear overvalued based on their current adp mark you want to lead off on this one
2: yeah so uh nolan arenado uh number one for me he's currently going third round uh Honestly, I wouldn't consider him until maybe the fifth or sixth. But by that point, he'll be long gone. Uh, Just keep in mind last year, he dealt with a shoulder issue and then couple that with the ballpark change. And I'm just not interested. I'll I'll find my third baseman somewhere else. Uh, And then it really pains me uh, to say this because I like this guy entering last year. And and Matt can attest to this. Uh, It's Mike Soroka. He's currently going in the 12th round, so it's not a giveaway pick. It's fairly expensive. And uh, he's trying to come back from his Achilles injury. However, you know, if I'm reading the tea leaves correctly, he's going to be missing the first couple of weeks of the season, maybe first month, and owners are going to have to stash him on on their bench. Uh, And how effective is he going to be when he comes back? Uh, He's going to have to, again, no NLDH. He's going to have to bat and run, uh, which, you know, maybe puts extra stress on him. Uh, he's totally off my board. Uh, so to illustrate this, you know, I looked at my pitcher list. I have over five starting pitchers going past round 20 that I take before Soroka.
1: Wow. I have about five going around 20 <laughs> that I take over Act
0: too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, <sorry>. After today. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, the, the simple one is James Korinchak. Look, I get the swing and miss on this guy. It's phenomenal. He's got control issues. He has not been given the job. They never came out and said from day one he was going to be the closer. If Cleveland wants to be cost conscious, they're not going to make him the closer right away. Uh, so you've got to be willing to be wrong on guys. To me, he's somebody that I'll never touch in the sixth or seventh round that he goes. He's just he's not even going to be uh, an, an, an option. I'd rather wait and piece it together later on. Uh, then spend that pick on him. Uh, another guy who was going higher. I get the speed, but I'm just not a Gavin a, a Gavin Biggio guy. I mean, maybe like in an O P in an OBP league, I see it. He, he was he seems to be falling at least in my last draft. But I remember he was going you know pretty high, and he's got to steal you like 25 bases for where he's going if he's going to bat you know somewhere in the two thirties. So, uh, I mean, those would just be, like, two guys that I personally think were uh, overvalued. Overvalued.
1: Right. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's a lot of uh, concern about B.J. right now. Um, I don't and know. playing what time, right. too,
0: might come into fact if he struggles.
1: Right. And you got guys like Gritchik
0: And, you know, I understand he's versatile. and He's got speed. So, I think he plays. But...
1: No, yeah. I mean, I was reading into a lot of the new player development and the new the new organization, a new front office there in Toronto, and their thinking is is heavy rotational, heavy depth um use and moving guys around, getting guys rest and optimal play. Um so it's 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 gonna it be interesting. I'd rather have
0: Marcus Simeon later on in the draft than a than a gun busy. Maybe I don't get all those steals, but I'll get a better batting average, probably more power.
1: There was I was one I think that was one of those picks, Matt, where like um, me and Jenny, we'll consider him. And I'm like, well, if we don't take him here, you might not laugh back as Matt's <laughs> Matt's going to get him. Like, I knew it, you know, like, but and I think that's we, what you got to do. That's right. that's being
0: smart and saying, I'm not risking this guy. This guy isn't worth it for, for me to risk. Maybe right. he fits your bill too, or however, but you know, why take that chance Unless there's somebody you have that's over him. That's the right. only
1: way I can say it. Or he's going to have another position, too, relatively quick, possibly. So that's another thing about him being, Um All right, so we're going to fast forward eight months from now. The season's over. <laughs> you're looking at your team, and it's one player, right? That's so yeah. easy for me. Right? right now that you're thinking is your, you know, can be your biggest regret for not taking a chance on. And so who's that player for you guys? Matt? Go ahead, Matt. You have any- oh, I uh, had Alberto Mondesi. I had a Mondesi.
0: He could be a league winner. <laughs> I totally get it. It's just not oh, what I'm doing there. So that's the easy one. Because, you know, I can see where I'm like, fuck. But right. I can see where I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe I was
2: Yeah, yeah. So we got we got the same answer on this one. It's Mondesi. Uh, We're obviously cheating here. But uh, his September was so tantalizing of 2020. Uh, Small sample size, but tantalizing. He's still young. Uh, His outcomes range from a ceiling of the number one player in fantasy to a floor of him getting benched. Uh, his current price point, which is the mid-second round, is is just very risky. I mean, there's a lot of bona fide guys you can get there. So, uh, if you can find your speed somewhere else, it's it's you know I'm I'm passing on Mondesi, but listen, he could pay off huge. He could be the number one player in fantasy this year.
0: Right? Uh, also, like with the with the trade with Benatendi, if he is if he's batting like sixth or seventh and not second, that's huge right there. But like Mark said fully acknowledge he can be the number one or a top five guy and just you know really dominate that speed but it's not the way i build so for me it'll
1: be a pass right right exactly i think it's not the way i build either but it's definitely there that you know that that draw that he can be that top guy <laughs> and yeah you know especially you know i know rob silver had a great article about him on voter wire you know discussing just just the math Behind mm-hmm. him having to get on and then keeping up that stolen base opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, and taking the, the amount of chances he's still taking now and the numbers don't, you know, um, show that he could, you know, it's probable that he's going to steal that much, that many bases again, but, you know, it's... um you never know. You know, I have a soft spot for uh, his dad because they used to go to Met Game back in the day and get the front row seats. And um, Raul Mondesi, I remember he was a rookie. He was standing in right field and he was having a catch with a dude who was standing right in front of us and third base side. Like we were right in front of the tarp, the rolled up tarp, and he was flat footed throwing rifles. You know, he had one of the best arms I ever seen. Yeah and, yeah, he had a yeah, and he was awesome too. He was real nice. He he always signed. And one time he took a ball into the dugout because I think he recognized me later on in the year, like, oh, this is the kid who's like obsessed with me. And, you know, he came back out with a ball signed with like, you know, a whole bunch of other um, Dodgers. So um, I got that Mondesi soft spot, but um, I'm smart enough to know like that he could be, you know, not the right guy to take in the, uh, in fantasy, but um, all right. So how about a player going outside the first three rounds? That's going to be a first
2: round pick next year. Hey, you see anyone who could, um, go make that yeah, I'll go. And you probably got the same guy here. I'll go uh, 20, 21 year old Vlad Guerrero, Jr. Uh, he's going in the fourth round. Uh, last I checked, he's, he's basically one change or one tweak away from being a fantasy superstar. All he has to do is increase the launching. And I say that, you know, very easy all you have to do, but if he can figure that out, you're talking 40 homers, 120 ribbies, 300-plus batting average, and, you know, what pops into my mind is Miggy Cabrera, uh, Accor's Arenado. Uh, Those would be his comps for that. And who knows? I mean, this can't be noise, I guess, if it's publicized. He lost over 40 pounds this offseason, so he could surprise and sprinkle in some stolen bases, certainly more than people are expecting. So he'd be my pick to go in the first round next year of guys going after the first three rounds. Right. And, you know, I think, I think people
1: like, you know, kind of want to shun the, Oh, you know, of course, everyone always loses weight. And, but maybe, you know, in my mind, I always try to think about everything possible like, no, no, don't leave any leaf unturned and like maybe being that heavy, that mobility to put some loft into a swing wasn't there. Right. And maybe now he's just more agile. Maybe he can make that, you know, like quick, quick twitch, different torque and get that, bat lift. And, you know, like uh, I always like to say, you know, Ryan Bloomfield, had it last last year on my show, like you know, he he has what you can't teach in that Max EV, you know, like he smashes right. a ball, right? But you can't teach a guy to hit a ball that hard, but you can learn to lift the ball. That's so right. right, you know, so Good point Rob, yeah. So look at Josh
0: Bell. Josh Bell did it a couple of years ago. He was you know he was a worm killer. He got the loft going and hit those thirty seven home runs. But I mean, the thing with uh with, with Vlad Guerrero he lost 42 pounds. He didn't lose 15 pounds, 12 pounds. 42 pounds is like a life changer. Right. That, that really is. And I, and I think for him, probably most of his life, he was so much better than everybody else that he right. never had to do it. And now I guess, you know, after after this first year and two months, he's made that commitment where he's coming into this year. So, I mean, I could, I could see it. Uh, I know some really smart players that are on him. So I think that's a, that's a great one. I mean, I'll cheat here. He's another guy in the fourth round. You know, he's going anywhere from early to, like – he was going later fourth, then it was middle. And now he's creeping up to early fourth, which I think coming in a couple of weeks he might even go end of the third. And that's Randy or Rosarena. Because if this kid can steal bases and, and that power plays, he doesn't have to bat 285. He can bat 267. You know, he could be – he could be just like, say, a Kyle Tucker or a Luis Robert that are going like two rounds ahead of him already. And, uh, you know, we saw what he did last year before the playoffs, then with the playoffs. His minor league numbers previous to that were starting to show something. So uh, I don't think it was just like a flash of the plan fluke. There is risk with him, obviously. The, you know, the, the, you're, you're taking on more risk at that. But also, where the hell are you getting speed in the first four rounds? There's not right. many guys that are offering that.
1: Right. I love that shot at of Serena. And, you know, I know we're talking about, you know, adding noise and metrics, but I just recently had on Paul Mamino from um, Rodolph on Attic. And he oh, he's great. To,
2: he's right, great. right.
1: He, so And he had this interesting metric that I didn't understand fully until I talked to him. But, you know, that swing and miss that he showed, it actually was pitches that, you know, anyone would swing at, you know, like that high hat that had a high expectancy to be swung at. So mm-hmm. it's not like he was swinging at bad pitches, you know, or junk, you know, it's just too, like if he now, so he's getting these pitches that he should be driving. And once he start, even drives those pitches, you know, you know, who knows what could happen. So I like that. And I think there's also uh, uh, like a market um, inefficiency, or I don't know how to really phrase it, but I think we tend to, Uh, I think um, miscalculate the swing and miss guys. Right. Um, I think it's always, it's always hyper um, focused on the fact that these guys can, you know, all right, they're big whiff guys or, you know, so you have to knock them down, but it can also be the same guys that drive the hell out of the ball when they do. it. I
0: think even with like a a Randy Rosarino, a lot of people don't want to be like, well, take him and be like, Oh, he was a flash in the pan. He was a fraud. They don't want, but at certain points, you know, if like say you got that one pitcher and you, you got two hitters. You got a Rendon and somebody else who's solid. You can take that shot there. He's a guy that maybe hurt that wrist because you got Anthony Rendon, one of the best hitters in the game. And in the second round, I don't know, just, let's just say Corey Seager because you know, he's, he's another average guy. I'm just trying to think of average guys that you're building in that and you're going to need speed at some point. I mean, it's right. not going to be there. There are pockets, but there's not much.
1: Right. Absolutely. All right. So starting pitchers, heavily debated topic, pocket aces, full houses. Are they going to work long? (laughs) Are they going to work short? How are you guys on board with the push up? I know Matt, you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, that you're going to grab one. um, It it doesn't have to be in the first round, but what do you guys think about this is, uh, you know, this insane drive with the SP. I know historically this, you know, um, Maybe in a high-class game, uh high-stakes game, it you know pitchers were maybe always a focus. But I know like maybe the casual player doesn't realize this trend of 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 pitchers being so much more valuable at the top. And do you think that's the case,
2: Mark? Yeah. So it, is this poker or is this fantasy baseball? Pocket, <laughs> it's this <cool> house. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like uh, folks coming in the spring training here in the best shape of their, their lives. I, I looked at the numbers here because I, I, uh, when I saw that question, pitchers are going, starting pitchers going earlier uh, this year. So back in 2019, main event, 20 starting pitchers went in the first four rounds. 2020, 21 starting pitchers went in the first four rounds. So far in 2021, draft champion leagues, that's all we have right now. 20 starting pitchers are going in the first 4 rounds. So all 3 years are really consistent, very similar. There's no it's not going from 20 to 28 or anything like that. So as of now that may change obviously with the main events, but right now everything's, you know, about the same. I don't see any reason at all to change my SP strategy. Got it. It'll likely be one starting pitcher in the first 5 rounds possibility of two depending on who my number one is and what draft slot I receive uh, but in the end it's really your back end starting pitching that's going to uh, be almost as important as your front end starting pitching you can't be thrown out two or three uh, you know pieces of trash out there because there's only so much a, a Bieber or a Cole or a DeGrom can can uh, support yeah, yeah. your your entire staff right
0: Right. Yeah. And what Mark said about the 20 starting pitchers in the first four rounds being consistent, I think the difference is there's like seven in the first sixteen picks like going off the board. And maybe it's now twelve out of the first twenty-seven. So there maybe those that, that dozens pushed up more where you got some other guys, say at the end of you know the third round that might not be there. By the beginning of the fourth round, like if you're picking late fourth. I don't, you know, you're more relying on, say, Corbin Burns is gonna anchor your team, or maybe you got to be more aggressive. But I think they, I think everything works as long as you have a plan. As long as you do the, the the blueprint, you can take one, you can take two. But without a blueprint, or like Mark says, when he sits down, his job is to execute. If your job is well you got the seventh pick and you're not sure who you're going with come draft day, it's going to be a long day because you really don't know what the hell you, you you haven't, you you know what I'm saying? You spent all this time, you spent all this money and you're winging it.
1: (laughs) Smarten up, right, Matt?
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it seems obvious. I think most people are well-prepared. I mean, you see that, you know, you, you maybe you get a couple of fish here and there, whatever term you want. But for the most point, uh, for the most part, people aren't going to let, like, m- maybe a guy slips past a couple of guys. But a lot of times it's not coming back to you because there's right. a smart guy right there that's, you know, he's, he's not going to let it happen. Like, speaking of fish, like I did a lot of DCs with John Fish. And I was always, like, next to him. And I knew that guy was never coming to me
1: because I had him sitting next to me and he would scoop him up. You know, he's fishing him at Away from you. <laughs> Before I get into my last final question, um, I, I, I wanted to bring up something to Mark that uh, Mr. John Posner told me about last night that I found fascinating. You tell me about a league where, you know, cause were we were talking about, you know, making sure you understand your league format and the rules of the league. So he was talking about a league that you guys tried to exploit and, um, uh, a crazy build. Cause my question was, have you ever attempted a crazy build on a team? And he told me about a team where mm-hmm. you guys actually drafted some dead players. Is that true?
2: Yeah, I mean we're <laughs> going back a couple a couple years here, but uh, yeah, that, that's the key. You gotta you gotta know, and listen, that's a that's a great segue. You, you gotta know, and I I'm not gonna confuse the listeners because it gets a little complicated. It's a contract league and whatnot. Right. But uh, you gotta know your your league rules and parameters. So something I, I was hoping we'd get into a little bit is in the NFBC, there's a, a thousand inning pitch limit uh, limit that you have to hit. With your team, otherwise I believe it's your ERA and WHIP drop down to one point. Yep. So you've got to get a thousand innings. This year is going to be like, an unlike any year that we've seen, because I think every single starting pitcher is going to have an innings limit, whether you know it's publicized or not. I don't see anybody throwing two hundred innings. Some starters are going to be taken out instead of pitching seven innings. They're only going to pitch six innings or five to help preserve them for later in the season, especially for playoff teams that need to bank another 25 to 30 innings for these guys in the playoffs. So I have a feeling for some complacent owners, this thousand inning threshold you have to reach is going to be very nasty for them. Mm -hmm. And come the end of the season, maybe the last month, it's going to be a feeding frenzy on starting pitchers on the waiver wire. So, uh, uh sorry to, to, no, to, no. To, pivot to pivot to something else here, but yeah, I tried some crazy strategies. Uh, I think in a draft champions league, I, I tried the Sweeney strategy with, uh, Uh, punting homers and ribbies. I didn't win the league, but I cashed in it. But uh, generally speaking, I I like to stay with the leagues where there's an overall prize schedule to it, because I know everybody's on the up and up and they're not punting categories. And again, I'm very scripted. So I really like to know what my competitors are doing. If they're playing up and up, you know, straight up, that's to my benefit. If we're in an individual league, uh, I don't really like that as much because three teams could be punting saves. Uh, right. Somebody else could be punting average and it just creates more K- back to chaos. Right. I don't like chaos for me. I like chaos for my competitors. Right.
1: Absolutely. No, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that thousand inning limit thing. Is there anything else you think that people should be aware of this year, like league formats specific wise, or is that something you just wanted to highlight on? with the innings?
2: Well, I mean, did I mention there's no NLDH this year? Yeah, I think so. No, no, that's it. Really, the uh, the thousand inning threshold. It's not a limit. It's a threshold. Threshold. Yeah, uh, that teams have to reach. And uh, I, like I said, I think some some people are going to get caught with their pants down at the end of the season. Won't be me, obviously, or or any of us three. But uh, there's going to be some owners. That's
0: another reason to save some money this year. (laughs) Save some extra money because. Like Mark said, every if everybody, you know, not everybody, but there'll be more people that are gonna realize at a certain point that I gotta get this because that could that's different difference from you maybe winning the league to not even cache. Right. You know, that's a tremendous swing that could uh, possibly happen. I mean, for me, I really don't do these crazy strategies and say a super or an ultimate, maybe I won't be as aggressive on closures. I'll still try and get them, but I'll try and do it like cheaper. Like me and a couple of years ago, the only closer we drafted in the 30 rounds was uh, Keona Keller. And we wound up finishing third in the league with Shapes. But that was the only wow. guy we had. And then we picked up a couple of guys throughout the year. We were, we were very cognizant. We knew some people would be punting it as well. So we didn't, have, you know, we wanted, it, it's, you got to know that going in. That's not going to happen to you in a main event. But, like, if you're in a main event and you drafted, say, your two closers and one guy gets hurt on opening day and the other guy just sucks and loses his job, maybe at some point you got to be like, look, I'm not winning this overall. i got to punt saves and win my league and just pound starting pitching. I, I mean, I had to do that once, and then I finished, like, 36th overall, and I got second place. But you have to be cognizant of what's going on around you in your league, the overall, at some point, you're not going to win it. You got to say, okay, but I still want to cash. So those are things I think you really need to stay focused on.
1: You walk into um, the draft, uh, like trying to play all that overall, right? That component. I mean, there, I mean, so you really should, I think. Right,
0: right. You're, you're, so much of the entry fee's going towards it. At least put yourself in a position to right. be successful, you know, walking out of the draft. I and mean, like Fab is, I know John mentioned it last night, is such a critical part of it. Hitting on a couple of those guys, you hit on a couple of the right guys, that really can be a huge catalyst. And obviously, the earlier, the better.
1: Right.
2: Absolutely. Makes now, sense. Generally speaking, uh, the difference between you winning and, and not winning is one player you didn't select. You know, if you take Bieber off the team and put in Verlander last year widely different it's typically right. one player that can make the difference right i mean i
0: i could be wrong i think it was the year rob silver won and i think he said he had uh matt harvey and uh kluber like side by side in his rankings and maybe like harvey a, a spot above him and he took kluber and kluber went on to be the uh cy young award winner the other guy got injured and rob took that i, I mean i'm pretty sure that's that's the story. If, if I'm wrong, Rob, I
1: apologize, but I'm pretty sure that's something like that happened. So I mean, that just shows you. <laughs> right. That one player. I mean, this year in the, in my overall, I, you know, I, I speculated on closers and I just hit with mm-hmm. Presley late, you know, him and Barnes and they gave me like, I, I think I would have had a good shot in my league without those two, you know, really th- th- stepping up, but that was my play. I wanted to speculate late. And uh, again, Keela was, the only guy took in uh, the top 25 and it took Barnes and Presley, but yeah, though um, Presley was solely responsible, I think for bringing me to that overall title because he really vaulted me in saves where I didn't really have much other. So you um, have 12 or something. (laughs) Yeah. 12. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was fascinating. Even Barnes, Barnes had a good run and, you know, um, but it's awesome. So, all right, last question. And this is, uh, this is going to be a really intense question, so I want to know who is the better player. I mean, that's easy. Mark's the better player.
0: <laughs> I, I'll admit that he's a Hall of Famer. Uh, I'm trying to get to that status, there's, like the Dave Potts, the Stathamuels, uh, Steve is. You know, those are the guys we're we're trying to get to. Mark's one of them. Casey Chaz in that group. You know, if I left anybody out, my apologies. But you know, and it's a great group of guys. I mean, I can't wait to go out to Vegas, hang out with them, have a couple cocktails, you know, in between the drafts, and shoot the shit and all that good stuff. Awesome. Mark, well, first I, I
2: got first I got to say, Rob, whoever came up with these questions, these are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. Okay, give give that person a raise. I don't know if it's an intern or whatnot, but. Uh, so uh, listen, Matt's got an impressive resume and in a lot of ways he's better than me because he puts his picks out there in public for people to see and he dares you to beat him. I don't do that. So, uh, you know, uh, I respect him in, in a lot of ways here for me. I don't especially like to sign up for leagues that Matt's already signed up for because we tend to gravitate towards the same types of players for whatever reason. So why would I want to do battle against myself, basically? Uh, it's, it's not a winning combination. Really, at the, you know, when we're talking the best of the best, it's, it's kind of like Spartan versus Spartan. Uh, and you get down to that single player. Do you select Kluber, like Matt said, or Matt Harvey? That's really the difference when you get down to, you know, the, the best fantasy players out there, in my opinion.
1: Fantastic. It, it, and, you know, I know you guys have been around uh, all the best players in the world. So it's um, something I, I definitely looking forward to. Like you said, Matt, getting out to meet everybody in person and, you know. That's
0: mandatory a- next year. You, yeah. I don't want to hear that. You got to book that in advance.
1: 100%. The flight
0: will be so cheap. You get everything. But right. that's got to be mandatory next year.
1: Absolutely. 100%. I really appreciate you guys taking the time out and giving um, giving my listeners their best path to success this year. And the NFPC format has been awesome. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Thanks, so, for, thanks having, for having on. us. Right. Absolutely. All right, guys. Um, hey, hold on. And, and yeah. if you said anything wrong, it's Mark's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the blame. <laughs> hey, I'll see you guys in New York, though. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. We'll see. You, I'll see you guys soon. Cool. <laughs> Alrighty folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Poor Hitter Podcast Again, truly thankful for all your support for the show The podcast, whatever you want to call this But thank you for reaching out Telling me that the show has been helping you Planning for your drafts Or just to ask about some random Keeper League advice Or some draft advice that you're in right now I try, to, I try to do my best to answer anyone who's willing to take a time out to DM me about a question they have for Fantasy Baseball. So it's all about the, com- the net making friends and the connections um, that we share through Fantasy Baseball. So again, um, keep the DMs coming. I love it. I love the interaction. I'm getting better. Just by interacting with everybody Just going through my decisions And thought processes With other people is, is is good It only makes me better So if you've enjoyed the show And if you've left a, a rating and review Again truly thankful I know you guys have been sending your screenshots over And uh, mailing out some stickers And some fridge magnets And baseball cards So keep it coming If you feel inclined to Leave a review if you like what you're hearing It helps out a ton And take a snapshot Of your rating And your review and send it over to me On Twitter at DeadpoolHitter And um, we'll set up sending you out Some some swag And once again um, thanks for supporting me In the podcast tourney Bracket we won round 2 And on to the Sweet 16 and Pretty cool didn't fathom that I Would be here being involved with it in any level, yet alone um, making it to the Sweet 16. So it's been fun. It's been great. I've been listening to a ton of new podcasts that have been highlighted through the tournament. And that's the whole purpose of it. So really cool. Thanks for thanks to Baseball Pods, Chris, um, for setting it up and for putting in the grind to let others have their shine. Hmm. Putting in the grind to let others have their shine. It kind of rhymes. It does rhyme. Shit, this is what happens when you do your outros at 2.30 in the morning. You just start slaying killer lyrics. But um I'm going to go. And you guys smarten up and don't be bags of shit.